Hey, what's going on, guys? I hope you're all taking care. My name is Cody, and you are listening to The Stutterer. And for this episode, I wanted to talk about something that has further convicted me more and more in my own path and the mistakes that I've made in the last few years of indulging in pride as a way to protect fear and creating anger and trying to seize the world for myself, which has had me fall from who I was called to be, who I'm meant to be. And right now as the world is in a crisis and everything seems like it's falling apart, every last soul on this earth needs hope and salvation more than ever before. And I know with all of my heart that each generation is called to, in a way, repeat repeat the same cycle through history as a way of learning and kind of bringing out the best of who we can be because if times become perfect then life for these next generations wouldn't be worth living anymore it's it's investing in a world where people are reminded of what they should know in the face of danger. And it's not praying to have easier lives, but praying to be stronger men. And each generation is instilled with, with the knowledge that God wishes for us to impart. And there are each and every one of us play a role in this. We're each chosen for a specific purpose and role to in a way, poetically, in times of darkness to bring back the light. And and then, then when the light finally comes, learning to, to, to stand ready against any coming darkness. And what happens during times of perfection and success is complacency, where people start to care less, they train less and focus less, and that's when cracks start to show. And it infects the world like a disease. And we've kind of reached that point now where corruption, consumerism, capitalism, it's infected the entire world where it's all about the next dopamine hit, it's depravity, it's desperation, hopelessness, darkness. And I know a lot of people would be able to to relate with that where you don't know the reason why you are alive or what purpose there is in this world. And my mistake and my pride was what I know about scripture and what the Lord imparted to me, I assumed most of the world knew. And I created this pessimistic viewpoint that the world has started to fall apart willfully. But in a way, I started to realize that people really don't know the reason why they're alive or why they're living. It's this, this pointless existence and no one would give them the time, the time of day to give them hope or tell them the truth. And the problem with churches is that they have this viewpoint of hypocrisy where they would use it only for judgment of others and to push the sinners and, and, the curious out, the one asking the questions, the one who wishes to be saved, they're all pushed out because they're not a part of this pure group and well, self-proclaimed purity. And that's exactly what Jesus came into this world to condemn is a purist, 
prideful, self-serving political gain versus the heart of why they're doing it, the intention to save souls versus using them with knowledge they they use in, bla- in blasphemy from scripture to serve themselves. And that's the world we're living in. It's a it's a world where evil has taken control and there's nobody to stand up against it or, or would have the bravery to. And there are so many instances in, in the Bible where God calls the lowest of the low to stand up against, against insurmountable odds. But the Lord says that it will be done because he wills it so and he will use you to do it because he wants to show his glory through poetry, to show the weakest made the strongest, the strongest made the weakest. He wants to show that beauty. He always advocates for those who feel they are the least deserving because he sees light in that humility and meekness. They see someone who's willing to listen and can be forged into greatness. If you have a prideful and arrogant man, rich and has everything he would ever want, and then you have a God telling him to live his life a certain way, well, the obvious response would be they they say, no, um, I want to live the life that I want. And that's where we are now. You have the rich and the poor, people begging for help and those who revel in, in that suffering. And now is the time, as history, as history repeats itself, that the Lord will call each and every one of us to speak, not to hide, not to wait for someone else to do it, but to do what we are called to do because we know what the truth is. If you are a Christian, you are called to do something. And if you do not and continue to live your life in the easy lane to go to college, get a job, do things that a normal person would do is on, it is then on your judgment that you would sit on that knowledge and not tell the world of it when there's death and suffering and darkness each and every day. And we don't know when our last day will be. Nothing else matters except the will of God, because all he wants for us is to live. Money and all of it doesn't matter. He will take care of all of that. He will provide. But it is the suffering of others and his hand that works through us that is meant to be upheld and listened to and held to close attention because nothing else matters more than his will because his will is the way to life. And right now people are searching for that reason and they search and ask each and every person what the answer to life is and people keep on walking by like they don't exist. And that's why suicide rates and death has increased so greatly. It's why suffering has increased because in a world of social media, the world, be- all of these people believe in a more connected world than, than ever before. They are more lonely than ever before because they feel small in this, in this world of giants. But as a story of David and, and Goliath went, he, he walked up before this giant unfazed and brave because he knew who was standing, who was standing before he knew who was standing behind him to strengthen him. He knew that the Lord would be with him and he, he acted without 
hesitation and he didn't struggle in a fight for um for what most people would think of a duel to be he threw a stone and killed goliath in one one strike and it's that act of faith is all that it takes to change the world and that's what these po- these politicians and these leaders fear more than than anything they're trying to silence the world and numb them to the truth so that they can control them they fear people who can speak and lead and to speak of what is and what isn't they fear that because one idea like the movie inception if y'all know that one is that one idea will grow you don't have to do the work you only have to speak it and to have people know and their minds will do the rest of the work the lord will lead them and they will be set on the right path but it's only up to us to tell them that there's a way and this is how and right now more than ever christians are forgetting that calling they're not caring because it's all about the idea that you work now and then you'll build a life sometime in your middle age, in the middle of your age where then you can start to do something but life is not a given you could die tomorrow it's living right now the way that you want to live the rest of your life it's that choice right now that matters like a hero being called to save the world right now is the time to do it not later or or not when we feel like it all you have to do is remind yourself of the word and share it to others in an act of faith and connection not just preaching but on a personal level as a friend to friend and that is what i'm going to lead into on how we're going to do that. Now, starting on the subject of evangelism, I want to make something very clear to start. In John 14, 6, Jesus states, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And there are so many in this world who will try to use scripture or its wisdom to twist into their own to try to lead others for the sake of consumerism and for a following in an age of so of social media there's many people who twist it now and don't really care for it in essence they only care about it to influence others i state this as a necessity in a world where people are suffering dying and and begging for hope and life again where there's none to be found where every day is just existing without purpose i say this because i know that feeling i know what it feels feels like in this world and i want to show others there is a way when i have this knowledge when i know what to speak and what to say for all of my life but never used it right that's why i started this podcast and it's why i say all of this to you is because i want anyone to hear hear this and know that there is a chance for life and you are called to something you have a reason for this and money in the grand scheme of all of this doesn't matter. The Lord will provide and he will guide you because he is the creator of this earth and he forms it all together. You will be safe, but he wants you to embrace him, listen to him like a father to his child to tell him the way to go. And it's difficult to embrace that 
because pride and anger is a way for people to protect themselves. I dealt with that, but it's knowing it as a necessity, like a schematic or a, or a stra a, a strategy in war where there's only one way we're going to win this. There's no other way. And our God knows greater than us. He sees above, he sees what's ahead. And you have to listen if you hope to win. This is, you have to let go and trust that he will guide you. And at one point I actually um, read some about, about Chinese, I'm, I'm, my speech is stuttering on it. Taoism, which in essence is not good because it it's the belief of pure uh, meditation and doing nothing. But there is one factor of it that I always took with me was the belief that life is like a river that flows ever constantly where things are meant to be, they will flow and nothing can 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 move it or change it. It's only letting go and embracing life as a beautiful construct of, of everything it is supposed to be. And in the face of a world of, pe of people desiring to control it and corrupt it, that is what creates chaos. And it's believing in God that he will guide you as long as you embrace him and believe in him whole heartedly to have faith and to act on it and move forward without hesitation. Cause in Romans eight 28, it states that the Lord works for the good of all of those who believe in him. If you trust in him, he will lead you to the right places. Even if it doesn't make sense, he will guide you where you need to go because right now, Right now, the world is falling with not enough leaders anymore. And as it states in Matthew 9, 937, Christ states, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his, his harvest field. There are so many people with so much potential and reason to be here, but no, but, but none would ever know it. No one would ever tell them that it's kind of waking them up. Like CS Lewis states, I believe in God, not because I see him, but by him, I see everything else. He'll open your eyes. He will show you the way the world really is. And he will guide you on what to do. And accepting Christ is not just a single decision where you just just snap your fingers and then all of a sudden you're changed where most people actually do do that. They, they go to church and then accept Christ and then say, well, I guess I'm saved now. And then you can do whatever you want. No, no, it is. It's understanding the intention behind it. It's that we're in a corrupted and lost world and he wants to save you, but to do that, you have to follow him and walk in his, his example in ways that the world will say is crazy doesn't make sense, but it's the right thing to do. And only scripture can teach you that, starting with the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Romans is one to read from that that truly embodies all of what I talk about. And in, um, 
in the Gospels, the the one fascinating thing about Christ is most people would think that Christians are hypocrites and they only protect themselves for their for their own groups, their own purity, their own self-proclaimed righteousness. But Christ condemned that directly because the Pharisees, which were considered some of the most religious individuals in all of Israel, God, Christ, condemned them and called them hypocrites and fools for believing that the law is what makes them righteous. Like somehow having these robes and doing these rituals and blood sacrifices are what make them good people, but they would wrap that up in their pride and make it where they were above the world. They were pure men and the rest of the world was corrupted and tainted and they became the very thing that God tried to, to lead us away from. And Christ on purpose formed his, formed his group of disciples from the lowest of the low. His first disciple was a prostitute. Another was a tax tax collector. And we all know how, how much we hate taxes. Now imagine if a government official in, in line with the pre, the president was chosen by God. Most people would, would hate them, but he chose each and every one of them specifically because they in their heart knew there was something more because they have been brought to the depths all of their life and their heart was tired. It was empty. There was nothing. And the Lord's, he, he goes to these people who the world says deserves nothing because in their meekness and pain and humility, they're the ones who would deserve the most, not these people prideful of how righteous and upright they are. It's about saving souls and showing them hope in the face of a, of a broken world. And really, it's, it's poetry. The whole God loves bringing out the greatest of what we would call the worst. He will always find a way to turn darkness into light. And, and that light will always outshine the darkness. Because the Lord wants to create beautiful stories the same way he created this earth in a perfect construct where nothing made sense, but he made it to be. And the ways he will call us won't make sense but he wants to use you for something good. And it always involves leading you out into the world to tell others of this news through you, to give you that power, to give you that authority and the strength to do it. And in Romans 8, 20, starting at 22, Paul, who is in ministry in, in Rome, or I, I need to remind myself of, of the history because each of these books are written as him sending letters to Christian uh, missionary groups throughout Rome um, to the Colossians, the Thessalonians. That, they're all named specifically off of who they are addressed to. And in Romans 8, 
22, he writes, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this pre- this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we are we we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it. Pa- we wait for it patiently. And and going on to verse twenty six. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestines, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. And what that means is that in a world where pain is higher than is greater than ever before, and the world is calling out for a, a, a hero, the Lord will intercede for us. He will listen to us, and he will lead us to the right place according to his purpose, and he will give us comfort. He will give us joy. He will show us the purpose of all of this, no matter how dark and hopeless it may seem. And it seems like despite how advanced technology would become, the people are always the same because we each go through the same, the same experience of heartbreak and then victory. And in Romans eight thirty five, it states who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall, shall trouble or hardship or, or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword As it is written, for your sake, we face death all the day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither life, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And those words, for your sake, we face death all the day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Those words sound familiar for those who are in hopeless situations where, where we shout to God saying it seems like he, he would enjoy this and we're just being led to death. There's many who would shout to God and then just state that they had hope in him and he left us to nothing. And we would be angry and frustrated at him. But as it states, the Lord works for the good of all of those who trust in him. And perhaps we've come to that point because he wants your heart to become opened and to bring out that pride and that arrogance to show it as it is so that your heart would be, would be brought to kneel and you will listen to him so that he can save you because so many in so many ways, we try to take control of our lives and try to dictate the direction that we're going, but he knows the best way for us. 
And it won't be our way. It won't be the way we think is best. But he knows what's best. And he will show you the, the right way. You only have to trust that he will get you there. It, and I have to say it again and again. The world will say that it won't make sense. We live in a very calculated and constructed world. And if anything would go outside those boundaries, they will call it blasphemy. They will call it foolish. But what is to God is not the same to us. And he knows more than we do. He will show you the way. And one story that I love to read in Matthew 14 is the story of when Jesus walks on the water and he stayed on shore to pray and to meditate. And the disciples went out onto the water to go to a different shore. And a storm began and started to started to bring um, bring their boat down. And they saw Jesus standing out in the water. And he called to them and said, take courage, don't be afraid. And Peter stated, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed onto the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. And it's when he tells us to focus on him, to walk toward him, and he will have us do miracles. He will lead us to the place we're supposed to go, but we have to trust in him completely, not to let the winds of this world shake us. And it is within your power to do so, but you have to hold on to him. Do not look around. Do not think of this or that. Just trust that he is going to be with you, and you only have to focus on what you have to do because nothing else would ever matter. And there's so many times through scripture that he calls people that, that in essence don't, they don't make sense as to why the Lord called, called them, but he did so because he saw something in them that nobody else did. And one specific one that was fascinating was the book of Jonah, where the Lord the Lord called to this man who in scripture seems like he was a nobody. And he said, go to the great city of, 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 sorry, my speech, the great city of, ah, oh my goodness. The great, <laughs> Uh, every once in a while, guys, give me just a second. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness his because its wickedness has come up before me. And you you all know the story that Jonah ran. He got on a ship to sail away, and the Lord swept Jonah out into the belly of a fish. He spent time with God, and then he spit him out and sent him to the city. And it, still to this day, it is one of the greatest 
evangelistic campaigns in all of known history, a city of 600,000 people who from the king on down all repented to God when Jonah told them that if they do not repent, the Lord will bring them down. They all immediately brought themselves low, fasted, and prayed to God for for repentance and for forgiveness. And the fascinating thing about this story was Jonah ran because Nineveh was a incredibly violent and savage city. They were people who would kill anyone they saw, cannibals, murderers, everything that a righteous man would hate. And Jonah didn't understand why, so he ran. But God told him, you will do it. You have to do it. And he he would not let him run. And the reason and the reason why was unknown. But God calls the lowest and the most insignificant of us to do these great and mighty things because he, he sees something in you that no one else does. And he will lead you to, to do great things that the world will say won't make sense. Like, don't save them, leave them to die. But the Lord said, you will save them because I say it to be so. And Jonah went, he, he spoke the words that God told him to, and the whole city repented of what they have done. And the real reason is most likely they never knew right from wrong. They never knew that they, that they were in the wrong. And they have this God who came to tell them that they will be judged. And they immediately got on their knees. And that's what most people don't understand about this world is that what the world calls what the world calls evil men, there's a difference between those who are evil and those who do not know. The evil men know good but choose to do wrong. The ones who don't know that they're doing wrong are still innocent because they never knew of a better way. And in a world of savagery and darkness and evil, they would know only what to do to survive. And it's our duty to tell them to tell the whole world that there is a way out. And then that choice is now up to them, but it's the fact that they never knew. And people these days would leave people like that to die. They would say, leave them to their wickedness, to their wickedness, leave them to die. But it's not our place to say so because the Lord saved us from, from how low we were. Why shouldn't he save the rest of the world the very same way? It is our privilege to be in that role. And, and oftentimes people do it from fear because they don't want to go outside of what they know. They don't want to go outside of what they're used to. They want to be safe. They want to stay in their lane. Because in Exodus, when God called Moses and he told him he would be with him, he would give him the words to speak. And Moses still refused because he was a, a stutterer. He, he, he was afraid. And the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. 
And in that fear, in Isaiah 40, 28 through 31, it states, Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his, his understanding no one will fathom. He gives strength to, to the weary and, and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And it is our duty to stand up for what the Lord has told us to do when we have the knowledge that the rest of the world doesn't yet. Every generation has individuals called to uphold it because it is within the Lord's will too. He will not let his name fade away. He is the living God, the everlasting, the I am, and his name will be, will be shouted and praised through all of history. And there is no power that would ever change that until the, the end of time, until, till the second coming. And And especially these days, there's a fear, a timidity, um, a complacency where people are taught to just not care anymore, to just let them writhe in their, bro- their, their brokenness and just live and let be. But it is, it is like witnessing a crime and knowing that you have the tools to stop them, but you chose not to. It is the same way that you watch the world suffering and walking to its death and the Lord has given you the words to speak and you did not speak them. So how much more then were you responsible for if you chose to leave them to their death? And judgment is the common reason for that. Judgment that one is more pure than the the other. But But as God stated, vengeance is mine. Do not judge or think this or that of people because you do not know them the way the Lord knows them. He calls you to save them, and that's all he would ask for, and he wants to use you for that purpose. Really and truly, right now, the world is looking for... for heart for intention and authenticity more than ever because no one sees that anymore and it's only by god or that's possible and simply giving your life to him just giving all that you are to trust in him and believe in him and many people would state john 3:16 and just saying to give your life to god and that is always the number one thing to say but i Remembered Psalm 51, which to me is a prayer to say to God. So you can read that um, yourself, just Psalm chapter 51, starting with this entire thing, a prayer to ask God for forgiveness and, and to lead you on the path that you should walk. Starting with, with verse one, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity 
and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me from hyssop and and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice or, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be delighted in the sacrifices of the righteous in burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. And right now, it is difficult to turn away from our frustration, our fear, our anger. But the Lord tells us to let go because he wants you to to embrace the goodness that he has for your life. But he can only do that if you let him in. If you fortified your heart and made it where nobody can come in, that not even God would be able to. You have to open your heart to him as you would a friend. And God does not stand above and judge you. He, that's the reason he sent Christ. He sees you, he loves you, and he wants to embrace you as a friend, as a brother. And, and to know all the goodness of this earth as he whispers to you that he is with you and he will never let you go. As he told to Moses, I will be with you. And truly, I've seen that in my life. I've seen, I've seen all of this come together in ways I didn't understand, in ways that in my eyes was, um, was a mess. It was just a, an utter failure, but it made me better in the process. The Lord uses all of this for good and we don't see it. He will continue to fight for you and protect you. He's only waiting for the day when you would finally call to him and he will answer. All of your needs he will take care of. It's only letting him in because it's your choice to do so. The Lord loves you and he will always stand with you until the day you choose to embrace him. And he will never, ever, ever let you go. And it's only up to you to embrace life or to keep things the same. But it's only up to you to choose. Thank you for listening. And make sure to support us and to share these. Right now, that helps us more than ever before. I'm working to improve these episodes each and every day. 
Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you all soon. And thank you all.